Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 178 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. Also brought to you in part by Acoustic Disc, where if you go up to Acoustic Disc's website, link in the description, and sign up for their email list, they're going to send you one free song every week. They call it the Treat of the Week, and it's free. You can't beat that, so be sure to sign up for their email list while you're there. Check out all the incredible releases on the Acoustic Disc label, and check out the Acoustic Encounters podcast with Dog and Danny Barnes. And Grace Design Preamps, there's a reason why you see many of your favorite acoustic performers plugged in to those incredible silver and black preamps. If they have to plug in, they're probably plugging into a Grace Design Preamp because they sound incredible. So head on over to Grace Design Preamps, check them out as well. How's everybody doing? Hope you're doing good. I am packing my bags and headed to New Orleans for a few days. I'm really excited. If you have any recommendations of things to do, eat, see, listen to in New Orleans, shoot me a message at danielpatrickmusic at yahoo.com. So yeah, I'm going to make this quick because I have to get out of here and I'm releasing this. It's Wednesday today, so I'm releasing this a little bit early. So you can check out my interview with Ethan, Ethan Satiwan, just a great player. His album, man, this has been an incredible year for mandolin-centric uh, releases. Ethan, his album Gambit, killer album. A great book. I highly recommend the book if you want to learn the tunes. Also, it's got, we'll talk about it in a bit, but it's got stories behind the tunes uh, as well for each one. It's really well done, uh, as is pretty much anything Ethan does. So this is a, an excellent album for you to check out. Go out and get Gambit today. Let's get into the sponsors. Peghead Nation, with Peghead Nation streaming video courses in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass, you'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in roots music. Who, you ask? How about Sharon Gilchrist, Mike Compton, Joe K. Walsh, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibus, Chad Manning, and Ian Corey? All courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month for free. Go to PegheadNation.com, use the promo code MANDOLINBEER at checkout. That's all one word. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at NorthfieldMandolins.com. Download their app at MandoSummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Welcome back to Ear Trumpet Labs. Ear Trumpet Labs, hand-built microphones from Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed. They have great feedback rejection for live use and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. Check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com today. Much like I said about Grace Design, you're going to see some of your favorite players playing Ear Trumpet Labs, and that's because they sound incredible. Thank you to Ear Trumpet Labs. Pava Mandolins. Pava dedicated to building for the impassioned player right there in Austin, Texas. Thank you, Pava Mandolins. Tone Slabs. I'm loving my Tone Slab picks. Uh, They're great. Frank Sullivan and his partner David are putting out some slabs of tone. They got all the cool shapes. They even take suggestions. Different thicknesses, bevels. They got them. Toneslabs.com. Go there and get yourself a slab of tone today. Speaking of tone, I saw somebody posted the other day on a Facebook page. Somebody was asking strings. They were a new player. And I saw a lot of people talking about straight up strings. Those are Roger Simonoff's incredible strings, and he's put all the science behind them. The tagline is hear every note of every chord. And that says a lot about these strings. If you want to know more about the strings, you can go to straightupstrings.com and you can also sign up for their email where they send out a newsletter once a week. That's free as well. 
And even better, enter the promo code MANDOBEER, all one word, all caps at checkout. You get 10% off the Straight Up Strings and any of the books that they have for sale at the website as well. And Elderly Instruments. Elderly Instruments is your trusted source for new, used, and vintage fretted and stringed instruments. For the experienced to beginner player, their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles, and did I say mandolins? Includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and their down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. They're in their 51st year. They're family-owned and operated. They ship worldwide, and you can visit them anytime at Elderly com. All right. Thanks so much for tuning back into another episode of Mandolins of Beer. I truly appreciate you. Hey, these shirts are back in stock. The black shirts anyway. There's still some white shirts left as well, but the uh, black shirts are back in stock. Thomas Castle's got one. Jared Walker. Uh, Harry Clark just wore one on stage. Get yourself one of those. Oh, Brian Oberlin in the studio recording their brand new album with Stephen Mojan. Get yourself one of the fancy Supreme style mandolin shirts at mandolinsandbeer.com. Well, I still have them in stock. All right. If you had one on order and they were back stock, by the way, I just took a huge shipment to the post office this morning, April 5th. Okay. All right. Let's get into the episode with Ethan Satiawan. Cheers, everybody. my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast ethan satiawan ethan how's it going buddy pretty good happy yourself doing good man we were just talking about both of us have some pretty busy schedules here coming up the next few weeks but you've been you've had you said like about the last eight weeks just non-stop if not at weekends full weeks at a time busy it's it's been a busy year so far i uh yeah started off with about three weeks on the west coast playing with corner house and then kind of merged into a duo tour with Hildeland, duo project of mine. Um, came back out east, more corner house, some acoustic nomads, this sort of, um, yeah, string band that fuses jazz and South American folk music and, and bluegrass and string band music and all that. So a lot of variety, a lot going on, but, but it's good to be out there, good to be playing. Yeah, and then on top of that, promoting this brand new album. Yeah, yep, working on the release, getting it out there. Dude, it's called Gambit. It It is incredible. Um, and I asked you this off the air so I could ask you on the air so you wouldn't be offended. But how old are you? <laughs> I'm 25. That is astounding to me because this album is really just mature in songwriting and playing. The compositions are are really astounding to me. I, I I'm really inspired by it and it's made me listen and I, I got the uh songbook as well when when you initially put this out was it oh, through, nice. was it through kickstarter um yes i think so yeah that was a kickstarter reward if anybody um hasn't gotten that are you selling the book separately as well when this comes out yes i am i've got actually some physical copies that'll be with me at at um shows and such uh but then also pdfs um on my website that you can you can pick up and, and try to learn the tunes. Yeah, work on the tunes. Yeah, uh, and there's great notes ahead of each tune, which was really cool. I love all that stuff. I, I mean, 
part of the reason why I love doing this podcast is because I can ask nerdy questions and and you answered a lot of the questions like right off the <laughs> bat in this intro. It was so it's really cool, but it's also cool to read these and then go back and listen to the tunes. I think we're talking to the target audience, you know, right now in this <laughs> think, podcast for this book. I think uh, so. I'm glad someone appreciates it. So let's start off with the um, with the players, uh, the core band, if you will, on this recording. I was lucky to get Daryl Langer to produce the record and play the fiddle. And Daryl was superbly helpful in just kind of teasing out sort of the the nature of each song, of each tune. Yeah. Daryl has such a knack for kind of making everyone who's playing feel feel at ease, feel at home, uh, and sort of teasing the best out of everyone, which is such a great trait to have in a producer. So yeah, I just really helped out a lot with kind of the vibe and, and making everyone play their best. I had a lot of input on the tunes you spent. Actually, you know, I did this podcast with you a couple years ago. This just goes to show how long it takes to get, for at least for me, to get records out there. You know, I think we did this podcast just before we started making tracking this record. <laughs> I was out at Daryl's in California, and we were working on the tunes kind of ahead of the recording session. A lot of input there from Daryl, which was great. And then my buddy Sam Leslie is playing guitar on the whole record. Great friend of mine. We went to Berkeley together. He's down in Nashville these days and uh, such a great guitar player. Really um, knows exactly what to play at every moment, which is which is a valuable trait. And then Brittany Carlson on the bass, great Boston area bass player. And again, yeah, one of those people that just puts every note right where it should be. And that's kind of the core. And then I play mandolin and mandolin, octave mandolin. And that would be sort of the band that is on every track. Um, yeah, kind of the core, the center of the of the album. Um, you just mentioned the, the the three mandolins, which again I love. Whenever there's more than one instrument on a mandolin album, especially oh, yeah. you know the mandolin, the octave mandolin. Let's just real quick talk about the instruments used on this album. Yeah, totally. So it's mostly mandolin, mostly just plain old mandolin. And I was playing my Sam Bush Gibson F5 mandolin. For the whole session, um, I was using a tortoise pick, I, I believe, for the whole session as well. Um, it was on the thinner side, really kind of helped to like crispen up the sound. I don't like to play on them too regularly because they wear pretty quick, or I wear them pretty quick at least, but the tortoise picks are, are really nice, it turns out. Um, there's reasons for why people use them. And then playing a Baird Blaine Mandola. Yeah, this guy in Arkansas, I believe. Um, yeah, no, I was not familiar with the uh, with the name of the luthier on this one. Yeah, I haven't run into too many of his instruments. I think he, you know, mostly makes guitars, but he made this beautiful carved top mandola that I really, really like. So I've had that for a while. It's from like 2012 or something. And then one of those Northfield octave mandolins with a maple maple back and sides. And yeah, you know, one of my one of my favorite moments in this record is in the tune Sunday Afternoon Reel, where we have a moment of triple octave mandolin <laughs> harmony that kind of appears out of nowhere and fades back to obscurity.
gotta gotta get the hits in there while you can, you know. Absolutely. And then the uh, mics too. You um, you just used. Did you record this around two mics? Is is that how you did the uh, recording? No, we were all kind of split up. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe in that book, I, I recorded mandolin with two mics. Gotcha. Um, That's recorded it, right. mandolin and stereo. These Roswell. Oh God, what's the name? K forty seven. I think is the model number. Kind of like a you know a Neumann forty seven clone sort of thing. Um, great small mic maker out of California. Um, yeah, that was kind of the mandolin setup. Um, then we had guitar and bass in the same room, kind of this big live room out at Great North Sound here in Maine. And then Daryl was in the control room uh, as producer and also pressing record um, <laughs> and playing fiddle. So doing a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> when you present these tunes to the people that you're working with, how far in advance do you give them like demos? Uh, you have the ability to write out music, obviously, but do you write it out? Do you just kind of chart it and give them a recording? How does that work for you? Yeah, um, I tend, I write out the melodies and the chords to pretty much everything. And that was about as specific as I got with the written parts, at least. Daryl wrote some specific parts for some string parts basically for him to play like multi-track overdub kind of thing and then some bass parts that kind of yeah I had Ethan Nojevitz this great bass player uh kind of who plays a lot of uh classical arco bass as well as getting into sort of the old time fiddling on the bass which is a thing about three people in the world can do so yeah he overdubbed some stuff and Daryl wrote some parts for him to play but besides a couple things here and there kind of the only framework that we had was melody chords and then like a sort of a rundown of the form of how the tune would go in structure at least some you know like mandolin starts the melody and then the fiddle takes it and then there's a guitar solo that kind of thing i mean some of these tunes are just so cool as far as uh progressions go too and kind of out there with your with your compositional process, because there's certain songs where you um, you mentioned like well for instance the 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 final final track on the album, which is a nod to the dog, in his exactly. triple mandolin writing. You know you you mentioned in the notes like you wanted to write a tune in, in that style. So how did you sit down? Like what's that like for you when you sit down and you're like okay, here's my idea. Yeah, um, sometimes it's really like specific and, and I, I try to like narrow a tune down or, or like take a concept, like take kind of one thing and make a tune out of it. That tune, I think it was more intuitive than that. Just kind of, I, I love David Grisman's music and I've listened to it a bunch over the years. I love tunes like Telluride, that kind of thing. And that's kind of what Backdog is most modeled after, just kind of like a happy, 
triple mandolin tune, a lot of notes and harmony. Yeah, that one kind of felt natural. And the other part of that tune is that the first bar comes from a Bach, with the Bach A minor violin sonato. Oh, wow. So, yeah, just that first bar. Uh, Maybe the first two bars actually come from the... Where's the first bar? First bar or two bars come from this violin sonata. And, you know, it just kind of goes to show music, it all comes back around, right? Kind of felt, it, it felt very like bluegrass and sort of it's like, it's just sort of an arpeggio with some approach notes. And it felt a lot like something you'd find a bluegrass tune or a dog tune. So I kind of took that as the sort of initial inspiration for the tune. And uh, I kind of ended up... Yeah, kind of sound like a dog tune. <laughs> it definitely sounds like a dog tune. It's incredible. There's another tune on here, too, that you mentioned you were riding your bike and <laughs> humming the melody, which I think many of us, if you've ever tried to like remember a song, and you're like, don't forget this song, don't let anything in your head, and you hum it till you get home. And then how does a process like that work? Because I think that's something maybe people can even relate to a little bit more as they've got this idea of a melody in their head, but then you you're, you have this ability to flesh it out into this incredible tune. Yeah, um, let's see. I think you're talking about a tune called Reliably Distracted. Yeah, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember what the initial seed that I, you know, it's hard to say where these things come from. I couldn't tell you right now, like, that that melody just kind of popped into my head. I think it was the first four bars, pretty much, sort of fully formed, popped into my head. And I thought, this is a nice tune, I guess we should remember this. And kind of just kept it in my head for the last 10 minutes of my bike ride home. And then you get home, you go upstairs, you pull out the instrument, you try to, you know, or you sing it into your phone, you... You play your instrument and try to, try to, um, yeah, you know, record it in the sense that you, you know, remember it as best you can. And yeah, that tune, the great harp player musician Maeve Gilchrist helped out a lot with. Um, we, yeah, we, um, we worked on harmony kind of a lot with that tune. There's a couple of progressions that, um, that are sort of like bass walkdowns that go different places and kind of create interest that way. That was kind of Maeve's input on that tune. Yeah, it's kind of a mysterious sort of foggy tune. So the A part just kind of remained that initial seed and the B part kind of felt to me what would happen next, logically. Yeah, I love the tune, man. And again, and then reading, being able to read 
how the tune came up is just, it's it's just like even more exciting you know listening to it and going back like oh get out of here <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i'm glad someone's enjoying that <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely man golden it just came out on the youtube but again that's another uh, how did you come up with that tune Let's see, Golden, um, yeah, so the great mandolinist Tristan Scroggins, it was pandemic, it was March 2020, and uh, we, like, nobody knew what the, what, what the world would look like in the next month or year or five years at that point, even less than we do now. So trying to keep ourselves occupied, Tristan said, hey, let's all write a tune a day for a month. And I'll give you one word each day to kind of jog your memory, <laughs> you know, see if, see if that inspires anything. And that was one of those. And I actually, you know, which word was it? I don't remember right now. Maybe it was golden. Maybe, maybe the word was golden. But it starts with this sort of double stop riff. And that was the initial idea I had for the tune. So, yeah, just kind of this sort of long half note riff that then the melody kind of comes in over. And I wrote that originally on the octave mandolin, actually. That was kind of the first, yeah, that was where the, the tune came from. The octave mandolin is a great tool for writing just to kind of get you out of the mandolin world and get you thinking about other ranges besides way up high. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned on this one, and this is a thing that I've, I've had written down for this, for this recording, because you have a lot of really interesting influences outside of sort of like the... Uh, I mean, obviously, Andrew Marlin, incredible. Joe K. Walsh, incredible. Both incredible composers. But as mandolin players, also, you know, kind of like, I think a lot of people be like, yeah, totally. But for instance, on this song, you mentioned Brad Meldow, who I love. Yeah. And I was wondering, maybe you could tell me a little bit about some of these influences and what you love. And maybe, because, um, uh, you know, especially like Brad Meldow, if you pick the wrong album or the wrong track... You're gonna be. You, you could potentially be like, what? <laughs> You'll be surprised, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, he he can be pretty eccentric. But I would wonder, you know, what is it about Brad Meldow's tunes, um, in music that that inspire you? And then maybe what's a tune that you would recommend someone who's not familiar with his music listen to? Yeah, totally. Um, I think that the album that I was interested in at that time that kind of inspired Golden and a couple other tunes. In, in not super, super direct ways, but definitely kind of in vibe and aesthetic, is the album Highway Rider, a great record. And as far as a tune, I think that one that might be pretty accessible to folks would be a tune called Don't Be Sad on that record, um, a really beautiful tune. But what I really love about Brad's writing and playing is just sort of his sense of harmony and how he can kind of these progressions in these tunes take you in all kinds of all kinds of interesting places but it all feels really natural it all feels really uh it all makes sense if you know what i mean the places he goes 
And I think actually Feely does that really well too. Um, in some of the Punch Brothers tunes that venture more outside of just one, four, five or diatonic harmony, often he's Feely is also able to do that in a really pretty organic way where you go to pretty disparate places, but it feels right. It feels, it feels like it makes sense to go there. The next one that I have written down here was is, is influenced by Chick Corea, and this is where I think it was Nugget then. Again, Chick Corea comes up in a lot of, I know Bela Fleck, huge Chick Corea fan, obviously. You know, his name comes up a lot. Again, maybe not necessarily in the mandolin world. And I think <laughs> this is what makes your compositions so interesting is because, you know, you, you you have the ability to venture out and bring in these outside influences. So I was wondering maybe what that tune, how Chick Corea maybe kind of inspired it a bit. And, and again, like maybe some tunes that Chick Corea has recorded that you might recommend to a mandolin player? Um, what I love about Chikriya's playing is sort of his his sense of drama. His his tunes and his playing all have like sort of a, theatrical is the wrong word, but like just a very like stylized in a beautiful way kind of, um, uh, what's the word? It just feels like very, very grand in in not like a in not a pretentious way. It really like sort of has a, a good sense of its own like its own beauty and its own kind of like style, if you will. And I guess I was trying to capture some of that. Some are just that um that sense of like grandeur, perhaps that his tunes and his playing has. Favorite tune? I love the tune "Morning Sprite." I think I like the recording that's on the acoustic band, a with acoustic with a K, so kind of piano trio, um, traditional piano trio. But Chick's tunes play it in his way. Of course, Spain is a classic. I like that first or whatever return to forever record. Spain is on a lot of great tunes on there. Yeah, there's a couple tunes on the return to forever record. I think it's called Light as a Feather. Captain Marvel is a pretty friendly tune actually, and I think there's one other that's that maybe maybe some mandolinists who are interested in jazz and venturing outside of bluegrass would enjoy playing. Now this one here, Bear Jam. First off, I thought it was really cool that the first time you ever really performed it in public was at your graduation recital. Yeah. At Berkeley, which is incredible. And it was also inspired by, again, I'm not sure how many people, I mean, I'm sure some people know the band, but Psychograss is, yes. was just incredible, but it didn't really, you know, it was kind of like, what they do, two albums, maybe three? Something like that, maybe three, yeah. And one, I think, is out, long out of print, hard to find. I think I found it used one time for like $2 or something crazy at a... <laughs> yeah, totally. In a, ...in a bin, but it's some it's some pretty out there stuff, and again, this one inf influenced that, but I thought it was really special that it was kind of like your graduation recital tune. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, kind of a bunch of these tunes, maybe not a bunch, but a handful of them, including that one and Backdog and Uncrossed were all written kind of around the time I graduated from school. And we're kind of part of like trying to write material for, for this recital for graduating, which kind of sort of naturally fed into like, oh, it's time to make another record with, with these tunes and, and finishing school and such. But yeah, um, Bear Jam, yeah, a lot of animal names on this record, I'm just realizing. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, Psychograss really sort of was the first uh, jam grass band in some ways sort of the first folks to take longer solos over over some over some instrumental music dog got into that some too but sort of psychographs was like this is kind of our thing you know that was kind of their their mo to take these big long solos and yeah there's a mike marshall tune called hot nickels that i really love and this tune in in some way sort of in just sort of the flowing eighth note and uh big three uh, time signature is inspired by that. It, it's interesting that you mentioned how Dog kind of got into a little bit of that jam grass, and then you have Daryl Anger and Mike Marshall, who are two of the founding members of Psycho Grass, and they kind of took that totally you know, and, and just took it into outer space. <laughs> and Tony, Tony Trishka, of course, too, uh, was pretty into sort of um, longer solos and longer forms from from pretty early on, too. So. Yeah, really cool to hear those guys kind of, kind of take instrumental bluegrass and do and do their thing with it. And you had Tony on this track too. Yes, yeah. I mean, it just made sense. Daryl and Tony. I mean, come on, <laughs> right? And I, I forgot to mention when we talked about the um, the triple the triple mandolin tune at the end, back dog. Uh, the other two mandolin players on there. Uh, you want to name them? Yeah, you know, a couple guys who you may have heard of, one Joe K. Walsh uh, up here in Maine with me, and then Mike Marshall, who, you know, flew in his parts from over in Germany. So, yeah, pleasure to get to record with those guys. They've both um, been big influences and 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 helps over the years, sort of mentors. And, uh, yeah, really great to get them on this record. Do you have a, do you have a, uh, I know it's, this is like asking your favorite child, but, uh, you know, there, uh, there's got to be one one song on this album, I would bet, though. Like, if you're, like, have to do your elevator pitch to someone, um, what's the track that you feel like for you really even was beyond your expectations? Uh, yeah, I really love the way that Golden came together, actually. We just talked about that a little bit ago. And I like the way it came together. It kind of feels like... If you were to kind of point to a track that could sum up a lot of what goes on this record, it might be golden. When we talked last time, it was a few years ago, you mentioned some of the, um, uh, like you sat down with Joe and kind of went through some of the Bela Fleck tunes for ideas to kind of break down and 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 see kind of like some devices that he used when writing. And I was wondering if you had any kind of like songwriting games per se, kind of like what Tristan recommended it was like, here's a word for the day, write a tune. But do you have any things that you like to, uh, maybe when you're sitting down, you're just like, huh, you know what, this will be an interesting approach or anything like that, that kind of sparks inspiration or maybe sparks inspiration in somebody else. Yeah. Um, it kind of goes back and forth for me, honestly. Sometimes I just sit down and try to write something, Apropos of nothing, just see what comes out. But if I am looking for inspiration, uh, I like to do, yeah, I kind of like to do, you know, like Joe and I went through a bunch of Bela tunes several years ago and kind of really tried to catalog 
sort of the techniques and ideas that he was using uh, in his tunes. And one thing that I love to do these days is to take a little tiny piece of a tune, like really distill a tune down to what makes it what makes it itself at its core. Take that idea and try to re rework it and write a tune model after that. And sometimes along the way, you get you don't end up quite at that conclusion. But but that's kind of all part of the journey, you know. You, I'm not trying to not trying to rewrite every every tune that I like, but taking some inspiration from tunes that I like is a really valuable thing. There's another thing that you really you see a lot in this book that you maybe wouldn't pick up on listening to, but is just some of the voicings on some of these tunes as well that are are really unique, you know. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the one that I was like, oh, oh wow, oh, it was a suspended floor four with a three, I think something, <laughs> you know. But it made me. Oh yeah, uh, probably a nugget. Yeah. Yes. But you know, it made me sit down, and and look at the mandolin, and be like, oh, I'm like you know, I think people get scared by voicings. You have students. You still teach, correct? Virtually. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this would be a really good thing for people to maybe even if they're interested in like writing tunes or, you know, trying to dig a little bit deeper in writing instrumental tunes, you, you know, should reach out to you because I it really is an inspiring record to me. I've I just uh, I've been listening to it a ton. I've had it for a minute now. It was a Kickstarter advance for everybody who supported the album. So I've been able to have the good fortune to have this for a few months now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to talk about that stuff um, whenever somebody wants to. Uh, yeah. Writing has really been a good way. It's interesting. You know, I like doing it, which is a good first step. But then um, I think it's a really good way to sort of develop your creative voice. It kind of like with a solo, you're playing so many solos a night and you'll have the next night to play them again. So it's like the place to try stuff, you know, it's the place to work stuff out. But when I'm writing a tune, there is sort of a sense of like, this is getting committed to some kind of lasting medium. <laughs> <laughs> not that like every note, I, I'm not one of those people that like obsesses over every single note and like has to make it pristine in every way. But I think there is something to like, yeah, I mean, you want to be intentional about how you choose the notes that go in your melodies and the voicings and chords that go along with that melody. Yeah. Now, you've also gotten a new mandolin since the last time we talked and since since this album was recorded. Indeed. I should say, new to you, mandolin. Exactly, yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about that. What, what, what are you playing? Yeah, I got this Monteleone Grand Artist not too long ago and it's just a great mandolin between you and me and everyone else who listens to this podcast i i don't love every montelion that i come across i've played i've played three or four that are really extraordinary though this this one being one of them and yeah it's kind of all the other mandolins that i've played have been very dark very mellow and this this one has certainly mellowed with with heavy playing over the past couple of years but it has this really beautifully zingy high end that just really, which I love, it just really, really speaks up there, which is really great to have as an option. Yeah, it's from about 2000. Um, not quite sure when. 
It's very red. <laughs> yeah, I love Extremely it. Extremely red. I love the color. I love it. It's very unique. It is, indeed. I just got this new armrest from a great luthier down in Nashville, Dan Voigt. Um, he makes some really beautiful armrests. And he sent me this armrest that matches the mandolin, basically. <laughs> I've got this this red armrest to go along with my red mandolin. So everyone check out Dan's Dan's work. How about picks and strings? You still using uh, outside from the uh, tortoise? Um, are you still using the same same stuff, or did it force you to like try different things and and figure out what worked for that mandolin? Basically, using using the Wigan TF one forties a lot. Although I've had this pick, and I wish I knew what it was made of. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Ben Pierce down in Boston, great luthier. Um, had some of these picks that are, I'm, I'm not quite sure what they are. They're kind of analogous to blue chips, but I like them better than blue chips. Just some, some fancy plastic, uh, basically. And it's the thing, the, the things that I like about it, there are two things. It's just a tiny bit smaller than most of the blue chips and vegans out there and kind of the standard blue chip size. Um, it's just a little bit smaller, which, it, which has been great. Maybe that just that it's nice to change up, change it up every once in a while. But but I've been loving it, and it's really really thick. It's like two millimeters thick or something. Whoa. It's huge. <laughs> so I've just been playing that for the past couple of weeks, and and it's great. <laughs> um, and and uh, I mean, you can ask Ben to make you one, but uh, he's you know he it's not really his he doesn't really make picks as a business so i don't know i don't know what to tell you about where to get one or, or how to how to use one but i love it <laughs> and i've been using just the plain old medium set on the on the Monteleon, which is a departure i i always use the heavy Dario set on the sandbush but the medium set just with a little less um tension pressure on the instrument on the top it speaks a little bit more so yeah i've been using the mediums for the past whatever two years yeah that's that's sometimes that's the most thrilling part about getting a new mandolin besides getting the new mandolin itself is is the oh, i get to try out all these strings again and it's like learning to play again <laughs> in, in yeah it's all way. it's all different <laughs> gotta try it try out other things how did you come across the monteleon um it was at the emporium at the music emporium in boston oh wow, i had a great time there last year Shout yeah. out to them. What a great, great group of people there. I love those guys. Yeah, I actually demoed it. You know, they were trying to sell it, of course, at the time. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it worked, exactly. I came in like February of, of 2021 and demoed it for them. You know, they put the video online and whatever. And then it kind of sat there. And then it came down in price in August. And then I went back and played it again and and uh, ended up buying it. Wow. How exciting, man! Good for you. It's been really great to have have an instrument like that. That just kind of the biggest thing that struck me, even like sound aside, it it really opened up a lot in the first six months um, that I was playing it for the better, for sure. But even before that, when I was just playing it, it was so responsive. I could just kind of think about something, and it would sort of do it responsive in that way but it kind of takes a little more precision from you than like a darker mandolin does you kind of got to pay a little more attention and be a little more careful is the wrong word um like deliberate just a little more yeah deliberate intentional about like what you're doing 
but it's been really great. It's been really fun to play. And then, you know, Daryl said something the other day uh, when we made those videos, that golden video. You know, he was like, there's kind of a sixth gear on it, which is true. <laughs> there, There's like, it'll give you a lot, but you, you kind of got to, yeah, you got to know how to use it, I guess. Yeah, that's the, the big thing. Like having a sixth gear means nothing if you know nothing on right. how to use it. You know, it's like right. anything. It's like, well, I've got a five string. Well, that's cool, but... Can you play four? But now what? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, what are you going to do with that other string now? So, yeah. Totally. Man. So what's, uh, what's, what's up next for you? Lots of, lots of stuff in the next few weeks, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, at the moment of our speaking, I'm about to go out with Daryl and some folks from up here in the Northeast and, and play, you know, live shows for this record. I'm just immediately pre-release. But... I assume that this will come out after that. So I'm playing some with this fiddle player, Louise Bicken, after that. And then I'm going to Michigan for a couple shows. Where at in Michigan? Um, well, I'm seven with this band, Westbound Situation, and we're doing some, like, some teaching engagements. So, yeah, going to some schools and showing the kids how it's done, so to speak, <laughs> uh, which should be fun. Those Those guys are all buds from... A long time ago. Um, so I'm looking forward to hanging out over there. And then let's see here. I'm teaching at the Mandolin Camp North um, up here in Massachusetts at the end of April. And then it's back up with Corner House. And that's the next month, at least. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next month. I love it. Yeah. It's a busy time, but uh, but it's good to be out there playing. Yeah, well, it's good to see you so busy, man. You're such a great player, and you know uh, the the music business is tough. And so this is one for my pitch for people to go out and buy this album. Obviously, you can stream it, and that's awesome, and get to listen to it. But if you have a little bit of extra money, it goes a long way. For the artists, especially, uh, is it going to be Bandcamp? Is that going to be the best place for them to get it? Bandcamp, we're doing digital. I'm working with this label, so they're selling Bandcamp. And you can get physical over there, too. I'm also selling through my website. And I have vinyl, actually, Whoa. for this record, oh, cool. which is really exciting for me. Print. It's the first time I've printed up music of my own on vinyl. So really stoked about that. It's a different experience because, you know, with vinyl... It's the art of limitation. So it's sort of a shorter uh, running order. Um, you're limited to, you know, 23 minutes aside or whatever. So it's only eight tracks. The full record is 13. But I love the vinyl experience, too. It's kind of a different... It's like, a you know, an alternate world in which, which you have this other... This record that, that sounds like that instead. So, yeah, vinyl. And then the tune books over on my, my website, too. EthanSatillon.com, pretty easy to remember. Yeah, that's great. Did you um, did you how how did you labor over that decision on what tracks to leave off? It took a while. <laughs> I bet <laughs> I went I went back and forth, and I you know I listened to it, and then you got to think about the break. You know, you've got to you've got to get up and flip the record over. Yeah, after side one. So I thought about that quite a bit, but I'm really happy with how it turned out, how that order turned out. And, and how it sounds. Great team worked on the record. Darrow engineered it and did a lot of editing on it. Dave Cinco, of course, mixed it. Dave is incredible, uh, really a wizard with this stuff. And then 
another Dave, Dave Glasser on mastering for the record. Um, so really just a great team of folks making this record sound its best. Well, that sounds incredible. Oh, how did you name it? Gambit. Gambit. Um, yeah. Yeah, it felt like a gambit to try to record this record kind of in October 2020, sort of real pandemic times, you know. I, I did this whole big road trip that summer to go out and see Daryl and work on the music, you know, sort of pre-production, working through the tunes. Then just the hurdles of getting everyone together, which is difficult enough in in non-pandemic times and with the added the added bonus of of a <laughs> pandemic was even more you know even more of a chance and then sort of even the musical ideas just trying to trying a bunch of different stuff with a bunch of different people who hadn't necessarily played a lot together um yeah it all involved sort of a lot of risk taking <laughs> but i think it came out yeah, pretty well, all that considered. It came out amazing. It's amazing. It's, a, it's an incredible record. And, um, and, you know, what's really impressive, too, is, again, like reading through these notes, like all these songs have just different approaches or different ideas, and it all fits together wonderfully, uh, which is, again, no easy feat as well. Sometimes things feel disjointed. This just, yeah, this is just a great listen front to back and uh i love it congratulations oh, thank you so much i'm glad you're enjoying it yeah and thank you so much for doing the podcast again i really appreciate it. i always i always enjoy getting to talk to you yeah of course it's a pleasure it's uh it's a great resource for us mandolin players oh thanks man all right thanks so much to ethan for doing the podcast thank you for listening to the podcast go out and get ethan's brand new album check out the links below and uh, also check out the links to the brad meldow and chick korea tunes below as well cheers everybody have a great weekend